Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey, everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers, over two decades each, publicly talking about your Minnesota Vikings. All those takes, some were right, some were wrong, but we have fun doing it and we enjoy sharing it with you. There's no difference today. Today, we are talking about your Minnesota Vikings going to the Washington Commanders. They're going to play them tomorrow. But as usual, we have three themes. First theme, does TJ Hawkinson, does that trade make the Vikings a Super Bowl contender? There's arguments for that very thing. We'll find out. Drew thinks so. He's joined us already. The second theme is that the team's got to play better, in particular three positions. Cornerback, right? Whether it be Sullivan or Dantzler. We need Dantzler to pick it up. After Dantzler's been hyped as such a good cornerback so far this year, he sort of slipped in the last two games. He needs to pick up his pace. My boy that I want to see succeed beyond end, Mr. Ed Ingram at right guard. Ed's been having a little problem with his footing and how he handles stunts and the pass rush as a whole. He needs to step it up. And, of course, there is Greg Joseph, G-Money, that has had an empty bank account this whole (laughs) season. He can't hit squat. There's an issue there, and if you watched our show on Thursday with Ryan Longwell, he tried to explain what it was. That, and we get into the Vikings versus the Commanders, where we match up against Taylor Heineke, door kicker extraordinaire himself, (laughs) coming next. Climb in the pocket, Aiden Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Hey everybody, it's me Dave and Darren sitting right over there up in the Great White North. Speaking of which, how is the weather up there, Darren? Terrible. Let's move on. (laughs) Not here, buddy. It's gorgeous. It was 55 this morning. It's a beautiful 72 degrees right now. Sunny. Dry air, it's absolutely nice after we had some rain showers. Rain showers being a little thunder showers yesterday. It is a beautiful day in the fall. Want to welcome Drew, want to welcome Purple Haze, and everybody else that's watching. And I can see that there's quite a few of you. That is awesome. We're going Thank to get you for in- tuning in. Yes. 
We're going to get into it right now. We are talking about the Vikings versus the Commanders today. And we got three themes as usual. We're going to start out with the first one. Mm-hmm. And I'll scroll down. Here we go. You wanted to start with this individual. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, our one and only GM. Oh, I wanted to start with two individuals. Kwesi's one of them. He's the but he's our GM. He's the guy that pulled the trigger uh, this week. Trading deadline for the NFL came and went on Tuesday. We had talked last week, David, about uh, possibilities, uh, uh, positions that the Vikings might look to upgrade, that maybe they should upgrade. And uh, we really focused... Uh, on the cornerback position. That's the one that I thought that the Vikings uh, could up upgrade, most likely could upgrade and should upgrade. Uh, and and uh, looking at, and we kind of talked about a few players, Kwan Williams was one guy we talked about a whole mm -hmm. lot from the Broncos. Uh, instead, Kwesi Dovidemensa did make a big trade, but not for the position or the player that I was thinking that they were going to. They went and and they pulled off a trade with the Detroit Lions for, as everybody knows, tight end TJ Hawkinson, a big, big deal for the Vikings. Um, even though I didn't think that this was a position really that we needed, uh, that there was going to be a trade made when Irv Smith Jr. had the high ankle sprain, uh, we find out he's out for eight to 10 weeks. Um, you know, the Vikings couldn't go that long with Johnny Munt and Jacob Hollister as your two tight ends. So, Quasi Dofa Mensa made a deal, got Hawkinson, and um, really the I think if you look at the, the Vikings production, even though I didn't really think that this was a, a position that that we were going to make a trade for, if you look at the Vikings production uh, from tight ends this year, it's hard to argue that they couldn't do uh, you know couldn't use an upgrade there, David. Uh, the Vikings tight ends in total, Irv Smith Jr., uh, Johnny Munt, and then Ben Adelson before he got hurt, mm -hmm. had so far this year 37 catches for only 249 yards and three TDs. Uh, not as good not as we wanted. No, not not nearly as good as we wanted. TJ Hawkinson all by himself this year, uh, not eye-popping numbers, but he has 26 catches for just under 400 yards and three TDs. That's just TJ Hawkinson himself, not you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, he he's well eclipsed the the Vikings tight ends and yardage, equaled them in TDs. He's a little low on the catches, but he's been on a one and sixteen. David, he's been underused there, uh, and and the Detroit they they like to run the ball too. Uh, so coming over to a six and one team, uh, I like this trade. I know you do too. I know a lot of people do. Uh, it clearly upgrades the tight end position. Uh, uh, TG Hawkins isn't a guy who can play, um, can run multiple, be multiple, a multiple guy for you. Like Kevin O'Connell likes to say, you can line him up all over the field. Also a pretty good blocker from what I've been told. And the, the, and then the, uh, so you know, that that's kind of key. You sent a, a little graphic 
earlier this week, David, where you kind of looked at TJ Hawkinson is basically a top five, top 10 tight end Mm -hmm. and all kinds of different metrics that you want and, uh, you know, averages that you want to look like. You pop it up there, whereas Irv Smith Jr., as it's clear, is low, 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 low in just about every one. So if you didn't, if you just thought, Hawkinson was a an upgrade for the Vikings at tight end, but you didn't have any stats to back it up. David just gave you the stats there to show you that not only do you uh, that it's not me, I stole it. Yeah, from yeah. Uh, Spencer Thompson, who writes at the Daily Norseman. He's the one that gathered this all up from Player Profile, Football Outsiders, and Five Thirty Eight, and NGS. He got that. You can see where the ranks are. Hawkinson on the left, Smith in the middle. And the difference on the right. It's not that I care about the difference so much. You can see the disparity is huge. And you drove the question, is this enough to make the team a Super Bowl contender? Can they get there? Can this become reality? I did. A lot of people won't. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I think you think a tight end uh, things. Tight ends used a lot differently in a much bigger impact position than it was 20 years ago. I think David, and maybe even 10 years ago. You yeah. just look at guys like Kelsey and, and what they do in their offenses now. Kittle um, over the middle. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a lot of cases, some of the tight ends aren't really. <clears throat> your traditional tight ends anymore. They're kind of like a third wide receiver. Now uh, Kittle isn't one of those guys. Cause he blocks like a, a motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> Kittle's elite. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, but tight ends are a big deal. I think Will Ludford had a story in the daily Norseman this week. Uh, I think it was him anywhere. Will talking broke about it how, down well. Yes. Yeah. Talking about how uh, having a tight end of TJ Hawkinson's caliber is actually key to getting to the Super Bowl these days, even more so than having like a number one wide receiver, which is, is surprising. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. TJ Hawkinson, I don't know if this is something that gets the Vikings over the hump uh, so much, David, but it's certainly the, the offense, which has been, we've, hasn't been performing as well throughout the whole season as we expected. But I think lately they've been starting to, you know, they're getting better every week. TJ Hawkinson, uh, you combine him with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think again, he's gonna he's gonna make the Vikings' offense even harder to defend than they already are, as they're improving in their knowledge of the of the Kevin O'Connell West Phillips system and getting more comfortable in it. Uh, and it, this may actually be something that actually helps the defense too, David, because if Hawkinson can make the Vikings a more dangerous offense, improve their consistency, keep them on the field longer, scoring points uh, more often and more consistently, the defense won't be on the field uh, quite as much as they have been. Uh, they And so even, though, even if the defense keeps on playing at the level it's at, if they're not on the, on the field for as many drives, uh, they're a little bit fresher, uh, you know that could be the little bit of a, the extra improvement that the the Vikings defense needs, uh, or the, the Vikings team as a whole needs, uh, that can you know move them up and give them that get them to another level as a as an, an entire team. Uh, and they, uh, you know also what you got to like about it is that getting Hawkinson it allows Johnny Munt to play the role that he's meant to play, which is basically get in there, block, catch the occasional short pass as mm-hmm. a dump off, whereas. 
if uh, they hadn't traded for TJ Hawkinson or anybody else, Johnny Munt's your number one tight end. And I don't think that that's uh, the it situation. Scare anybody. Yeah. No, not going to scare anybody. Not the situation we want. And I don't think the situation TJ Hawkinson wants. So uh, this is another thing that I think helps the offense. I do have some questions about uh, TJ Hawkinson's usage, how the Vikings are going to use him. Can Kevin O'Connell get uh, find ways to get him the ball more and use him more than he was able to use Irv Smith? Uh, because you know, Dave, I talk about Irv Smith Jr. all the time. I think he's got a lot of talent. I thought he was going to have a big breakout year. Did not happen. Uh, now, is that because of the way the offense is structured? Uh, or is that just because Irv Smith isn't as good as I thought he was? Probably the latter. <laughs> but, well, but, or, I, but Or a combination he, of both. Yeah, I think it. It you um. So gotta gotta see right now what kind of the usage that T.J. Hawkinson is going to get. How much of a factor is he going to be with the team? Of course, he has to learn the playbook. He has to get comfortable with the playbook. He also has to develop a rapport with Kirk Cousins. I think what we've seen with Kirk Cousins, David, in the five years he's been with the team is he's got a favorite guy or two that he throws to the vast majority of the time. And if you are that guy, you're going to see the ball a lot. If you are not that guy, (laughs) you are probably not going to see the ball a lot. He hasn't worked with TJ Hawkinson at all. So we'll see how quickly they develop a chemistry where Kirk trusts throwing to him and actually looks to throw to him as opposed to always looking to throw to JJ Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson or Adam Phelan. Uh, but I still like the trade and I like the fact that Kwesi Adolfo was aggressive, saw an, uh, an area of weakness and pounced on it. And, and even the compensation we gave up, David, doesn't really worry me. Yes, we gave up a second this year and a third next year, but we got TJ Hawkinson, a real live actual player who's caught over 60 balls the previous two years. Uh, whereas, we, uh, And we got a fourth this year, and we got a fourth or fifth, depending on how the season goes next year. And with the Vikings playing, if they keep on playing like they are, winning a lot and have a deep run in the playoffs, they're going to be picking late in the first round anyway. That's a position where a lot of teams look to trade out get a second round draft pick and some other draft capital. So we might get that second round pick back anyway by trading out late in the first. So, well, I, I, and, you know, and we anticipate yeah. Detroit being at the top of the round. Yeah. So if we drop from a third to a fourth and they're, uh, they get a, you know, our fourth, they get our fourth or they get our third. That may be right there at the bottom and we get their yes. fourth. That only may be a few picks away from each other. Yes. If right next to each other. It's possible it's that way. Um, we'll see how that goes. There is a lot of things I wanted to highlight about this trade. One, you talked about Kirk Cousins and how he hasn't played with him. Well, Kirk Cousins this week, first thing he did was ask people to gather and give him a cut up of all of Hawkinson's Plays, best plays. Best plays, yes. All the way from college on through. He wants to see what this guy can do at his best, right? So, you know, Kirk Cousins was studying him this week. Another thing, as soon as he hit the ground in Minnesota and got his iPad, he wanted the playbook. He was studying that night. So I fully expect that tomorrow we will see him on the field not just partially, but we'll see more snaps than we anticipated. 
you know, initially we thought, ah, there'll be a relatively small package. He'll come in, you know, he'll learn enough plays to run a dozen or two dozen plays. And that's, you know, good. Now I expect him to see more than that tomorrow because he's learning that language transition. You know, all plays are relatively similar. It's just what you call them. And there may be some minor rule differences on how you read or how you block or how you do this. When it comes to the tight end, he's got blocking responsibilities and who lines up where and who lines where. And he's also got pass running responsibilities and how to set up and how to read. Where do I go on this call? Learning that call is a lot of times the toughest, especially if Kirk uh, options out at the side or out at the line of scrimmage, which he's done much more of this season. Thankfully, he's done well at that. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I expect him to do that. Now, the overall question, does this make the, us a Super Bowl contender? You mentioned Warren Ludford. Warren Ludford went back, and since 2000, I think it was 2000, uh, or the last 20 years, every Super Bowl team had a top 10 tight end. Most of them had top five tight ends, except for last year. Last year was the aberration. Um it is one of those keys that seems to be coming up and up and repeating and repeating itself that to get to the Super Bowl and to win it, especially, but to get there, you need a top tight end. I think we just went. I don't call him. Hawkinson right now is not in that top tier of tight ends, but he is at the age. He's only 25 of to where he breaks out. Tight ends usually take three or four years. There's the old saying, you draft a tight end for its next team, their his next team, because it takes that first cycle to get through to where they right. click and get good. He is now entering that. We now have control over him, not only this season, but next, because we assume next year's salary, taking the um, fifth-year option. So we've got that, $9.4 million. We can extend him if we like it, take this next 10 games and call it, hey, this is your audition. Do we want to extend you and pay you big money, right? And you be one of the core of the teams. He's still young. He's only, he's a young 25. He turned 25 in July. Um, I think this is the point where he rises up. Now, you take quarterback talent, Detroit versus Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I think, is a better quarterback than what he's had throwing to him since Sam Bradford. And Hawkinson talked about Sam Bradford and how he got along with him and that whole system. He talked about how Kevin O'Connell, knowing Sam Bradford and coaching Sam Bradford, knows what he likes, that there's a connection there that he knows if he wants Sam Bradford to do this, he's wanting Kirk Cousins to do that, that's a fit for him, right? He did make the Pro Bowl a couple years ago. That was under Sam Bradford. Well, if Kirk Cousins is under that KOC influence, he can step up his game and move into that next echelon. I think he can do that. Does that improve our chances to be a Super Bowl contender? The answer is hell yes, it does. That's why I am so happy about this pick. And we're only backing up. We're not losing any draft choices. We're only backing up one Yeah. Um, in one year. And so, did I say Bradford, Drew? Um, not Bradford. You did, but, uh, yes. Um, what's his name? Out at the Rams. Um, my apologies. Matt Stafford. Matt, Matt Stafford. Stafford. They sound alike. Whatever. Matt Stafford. 
Ah, uh, that's too much whiskey, Drew, or not enough whiskey, or however you want to call it, or old age, either one. But you are correct. It wasn't Bradford. It was Stafford. Um, but you got what I was saying. I think this is the perfect next step. I think this works. Yes, we could have used a cornerback to replace Sullivan. We could have used Quan Williams out of um, the Broncos, Denver. Yeah. But I don't think that would have been a big enough step. I think this is a bigger step. Yields us more overall than Quan Williams would have. Yes, Quan Williams would have helped the defense, but I think this helps the offense take that bigger step. And if you remember, Kirk Cousins has his best seasons when he has an outstanding tight end. He did it in D.C. with Jake Reed, and he did it here when he had Kyle Rudolph in those beginning years. He loves that big security blanket, the guy he can trust and know to go to, right, when he's got problems that he'll catch it. That's the big mattress. You know, the big reach, long hands, the suck it in, the whole deals, especially in the red zone. Not that we don't have any red zone tools. We have a bunch of them. But I think that's where it's going to help. As for the offense, how the offense runs, I think this helps as well. Because right now we got Justin Jefferson being the primary guy, right? And other teams are focusing on him. Right? Because he should. He's getting over 25% of every, you know, attention, every pass play. He should be. He's that good. Justin Jefferson's going to be great. But because he's getting that, Adam Thielen hasn't been getting, has to run the intermediate under, uh, short and intermediate routes underneath to compensate. And so does KJ. Well, now with Hawkinson, Hawkinson, is good in that short and intermediate range, right? That's where he excels, and he also excels after the catch. Well, if he's in that shorter, immediate range, that means you could put Jefferson going this way, Thielen going that way. They both could go deep because if they're covered for any particular chance, Kirk Cousins is going to go, oh, there's my big boy, number 87. Boom, right? And he's going to bust it. That's why I think this is such a good trade. And yes, I do believe that makes Minnesota a Super Bowl contender. Tell me the last time the Vikings, probably there's never been a time, the Vikings had a tight end who had an eight-catch, 179-yard day, which is what TJ Hawkinson had in one game this year. (laughs) Pretty good production. And Jonathan from Brazil, where they had a big election this week, I believe, uh, uh, made made a great point, which I briefly touched on, was like you get TJ Hawkinson plus two draft picks, but you get TJ Hawkinson, bona fide, established, tight end in the NFL, high-performing tight end in the NFL, and we gave up two draft picks who might end up being diddly squat. Like, they're just draft picks. They're not actually players yet. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, when you give up a real player for draft assets, where the Vikings are right now with the kind of season they're having, I think you always like that deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That brings us to our first sponsor moment of the show. This one is Lewis, and that's badass wood art. He is a scroll saw artist. If you want a piece, all you got to do is order it, use promo code CTP or CT Pocket, and you get 20% off. The one piece he wanted 
made a highlight today was after last week's game. Kirk is a dual threat as we watched him run it in for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. He's got a big-headed Kirk Cousins on the wall, easily put in your man cave. It would be a great piece. Drew would be great in the prize vault for you guys as well on Vikings Report. Absolutely outstanding. He does great work. Indeed. That leads us to theme two. Here we're talking about three players in particular. The whole team needs to play better, but three players in particular, and you're picking on my buddy right here, Ed Ingram. I am, David. At the Vikings at 6-1, and one, really, we couldn't ask, really, as fans, I don't think we could ask for a better start to the season unless they were 7-0, and oh, but 6-1 but and is pretty damn good, uh, and uh, you got to be happy about that. Uh, that doesn't mean that, everything is all going great for the Vikings and that every player is playing at a level that they need to play for the Vikings to get where they need to go, which is to the Super Bowl and win it. And um, I wanted to, there's three players I think that need to play better right now for the Vikings to continue to ascend and be even more of a legitimate, be a, a legitimate contender because a lot of people out there who don't follow the Vikings don't think that they're actually all that good. Uh, yeah. I think, um. I think, yeah. <laughs> SB Nation did a confidence deal. They do one every week. SB Nation mm -hmm. as a whole, right? The mothership to Daily Norseman. They did a confidence poll, and the Vikings keep dropping week after week. I think they're mm -hmm. foolish, but hey, that's that's the national outlook because other fans are chiming in. Yeah. So Eddie Ingram right here. here here's a guy that uh, we knew as a rookie – uh, that there was going to be some uh, rough spots for him, uh, that uh, there'd be some times where uh, he might struggle. But the past two games in particular, David, but this is goes back, I think, to the whole season. Uh, and uh, the past two games have been really bad for Ed Ingram. Uh, and, it, and it's particularly in pass protection, pass pro. Um, last week against the Cardinals, he made J.J. Watt in 2022 look like the 2012 day J.J. Watt who had like 20 and a point, 20 and a half sacks. And his uh, pro football focus uh, pass blocking grade was 16.9. I, I can't remember a pass blocking grade ever by anybody being that low, but I'm sure there are. Oh, no, probably, there are. And I think probably Drew Samia and here Dakota we got Jones Bradbury there. there. <laughs> I think Bradbury's had lower, but uh, and this last was week, from that game, but yeah, last week was 16.9. Uh, the game before against Miami three weeks ago was uh, his pass, uh, Ed's pass protection uh, grade with. Pro, pro football focus was 36.5 uh, and uh, Will Raggett said a story about this he kind of mentioned some of the same players I did uh, he, he mentioned that uh, Ed Ingram's had a below has had a, a passing grade below 37 five times this season five times uh, and the past couple of games his run blocking Out grades haven't been games. all that yeah haven't been all that great either they've been in like the mid 50s so uh Hey, he's allowed six sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, that is a lot. The Vikings have I given saw up five 14. this morning. Uh, Will had six. If I had to like count mentally, PFF uh, had all the games. five this morning, which is number one for guards. Yeah, um, it's tied for number one. If yeah. you take all the offensive linemen, the most there's a tackle with six, and then there's a whole bunch of tackles and a couple centers with five as well. 
but it's not good. Just because you can say, hey, I'm the number one guy giving up sacks. No, we don't want that. <laughs> Five or six, uh, 28 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, which is the second most among all linemen in the NFL and the most amongst guards. Uh, so, uh, like, at, at this point, David, like, it's when like you're... 16th. But anyway. Yeah, if if you are uh, like sure, there's a, he's a rookie. We've got uh, still ten games left in the season. He could get better, but if he if he keeps on pass protecting like this, that is you got to start thinking about how long can you keep him in there because the guy behind him, Kirk Cousins, we know <laughs> is he's pretty. Uh, dep- you know, I don't care what you think about him. That is very precious cargo there that he is protecting. Mm-hmm. And if he gets hurt, the Vikings are fucked. So, uh, so uh, how long do you keep Ed Ingram in there? When do you go to Chris Reed or maybe Blake Brandle or Austin Slotman? Um, I, I don't know, but this is something to keep an eye on. And uh, and Ed or Ed, Ed Ingram's either got to figure it out and play better, particularly on pass protection, or the Vikings have to look at making a move and looking yeah, to go with Chris they, Reed. I mean, Ed Ingram clearly beat out Chris Reed and Schlotman yes. in yes, the preseason. Did. And that's yes, what's scary. Now, mm-hmm. is Ed Ingram taking a step back? If so, why is he taking The offensive line coaches be, should be focusing in. Why is Ed Ingram getting what seems to be worse, what are we doing wrong, right? How do I fix this? How do I get him to make the right steps? It takes a while to change habits, if you want to call it that, bad habits. What does it say? Three weeks, right, to get to better ones. Is he is he developed bad habits now that he's got a break? So he's got to figure that out. That would be my – if I'm the offensive line coach, yeah, I'm working on the run game I'm working on the whole line, but in my spare time, and I'd you'd sacrifice hours of sleep just to fix this because this could be the you know the proverbial um, point where everything fails. You've got to fix this, and he has so much promise. Tyler Fornis, right on this network, executive producer of Vikings Wire, did a whole segment on. There are good things Ed Ingram does, right? And he showed that even in the bad games, there are quite a few things he's doing well. He recovers. He's strong. Look at that arm. That's probably bigger than most high school kids' thighs. I mean, he's super (laughs) strong. But it's... They got to fix it. They got to get him straight and I don't know if that's going to happen soon I hope it does but it may take until the offseason and then the question is like you said do you bring in Reed do you bring in Schlotman to see if they do better when you probably know on the run blocking it's going to take a hit well the the thing David is that on these sacks if you look at them like like he's getting beat so badly like he's not even in the in the in the frame sometimes like <laughs> like like he's getting beat like cleanly like he's not even getting a hand on these guys so yeah i don't know what do you uh, uh I, like i what do you think have you seen anything yourself because i mean you know i know you watch lyman closely right. uh, like what have you seen from angram that he's really screwing up on doing wrong 
that is leading to this kind of poor pass protection on his To me, it's, it's a lot of its footwork. You know, I was real happy that he kept his feet moving and kept his weight over the balls of his feet. He tends to overset, which means to move too far too quickly. He also, um, on one of them last week, when Watts was coming up on him, he came back and he kept his feet moving rather than at the point when you come and set. When the defender's coming up on you, you want to get to a point where you just punch him in the chest. It's a shiver, all right? Hands up, you want to stop the momentum. It's just bam, right? And if your feet are moving and up in the air, you have no base to push off of. There's that point where, yeah, you want to keep your feet moving, but there's also the point where you want to plant both of them and just hold from the thighs through the hips on up. You want the strength coming through your lower body, through your legs, and then in your arms, and you go pow, right? And it's that pow, it's that stunning hit that stops the momentum of the oncoming rusher, right? And it gives you time to set and grab. You grab right here, and then you control him. If he still has momentum to go around, you take him around, but you keep in front of him. That's where you keep square, because like I said, as soon as he goes across your Facing across your shoulders, that's instantly holding. But you keep square, and then you ride on out, and you ride right back past Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins has all the room in the world. But it was that, it's that lack of footwork, that lack of ba 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 ba, right? And then the set and the bang on that one particular rush. On other rushes with stunts, he'll commit too much to helping uh, Bradbury on the middle, right? And then the stunt guy, he comes up too far forward helping Bradbury because Bradbury's blocking a guy and he's trying to turn him out. And the guy goes around him, right? And that's that's where you talk about the free rush. And it comes around because O'Neal's over here taking his guy this way. And, and he comes through like that versus where if he would have set back, Bradbury's here, and if he would have stayed in a position just rather than trying to help turn Bradbury's guy, stay off Bradbury and make sure Bradbury's going his direction. And then that's where you'll use your hands rather than the, the shock like I talk to you. You can use them as feelers and you sort of go with Bradbury this way. And if the guy comes around, you're now in position. You can slide over, it's a sidestep over, and you're in position to take him. He's not doing that. That is coaching. That is repetition. But that is coaching on how to do that. I want to see that improve. Yes, Sean, I agree with you. Ingram is heads and shoulders above Dakota Dozier. Without a doubt, we've seen that. Hey, GMAC. Um, but there's things that can be fixed. And that's what gets me. I mean, it, it's gotten me for the last eight years. There are things you can fix, right? And you want to see them fix. He has talent. He has the strength. He has the attitude. What I'm worried about is if they're fixing him wrong and this is getting compounded and it's going to mess with his head. You want to, you got to have, you got to enforce the right mentality. All right, you got beat on that play. Now go kick his ass. Right. Mm -hmm. 
That is the mentality an offensive lineman should take. I'm going to beat you every single play. At the end of the game, we're going to shake hands and go, hey, great game, right? But right now, I'm going to bury you. So if you come at me, it's going to be a poor decision on your part because I'm going to make it that way. That's the way offensive linemen think. And if he can get his footwork and get it to where he feels that, all right, Bradbury's got his guy here. That means I can take a step to the right because I know somebody's coming around. I can glance off, see if O'Neal needs help, right? Because O'Neal's given up a few this year too. Um, and I can sit there and be the guy. He will improve. He will do that. That is coming. It's just a matter of is it coming this week? Is it coming in the next few weeks? Is it coming by December? Is it coming, you know, by the end of the year? Or we, do we have to wait till next season? Um, I don't think if we had to replace him now with Reed or Schlotman, that may be even worse. And it's that's why I think they're keeping him in there. So I do hope the offensive line coach and KOC are putting some time into this and making sure that they're getting it right. This is one of those things where you need that little extra spoonful of sugar, right, in the recipe to make just right. And I think they can do that. But, yes, his performance, especially the last two weeks, has been not as good as we'd hoped. Do I expect it this week? Playing against a good defensive line, so it's going to be, oh, yeah. it's going to be a test. It is going to be a big test. There you go. Got mm-hmm. David fired up on the offensive line again. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's my love. It's, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. All right, well, let's move on to the next problem child in your uh, needs to get better. Boom. Mr. Greg Joseph. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yes, Joseph. Um, first game of the year, you know, he nails a 56-yarder. We're like, yes. Uh, and uh, we're like, you know, hey, you know, he was – Looking so good in training camp, we heard. Looked good in preseason. Nails a 56-yarder. We're off to the races. He's going to be golden. Well, since then, he hasn't made a um, he's hasn't made a field goal or 50 or more yards at all. He's missed all five of his of his field goals that are 50 yards or more since then. Uh, he's a, 
two blocks. He's um, he's uh, right now his field goal make percentage is sixty four percent. That's thirty first in the league, David. And David, how many teams are there in the NFL? Thirty two. 32. Yes. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, <laughs> but so 30, uh, 64% and 31st in the league is not good. And beyond that, uh, he's also missed three extra points. Uh, and this was a problem last year. So the Vikings, again, this is not good either. Uh, the Vikings have been playing, as we all know, in a lot of one score games, uh, except for, <laughs> and except for when you play Bay. once. Yeah, Green Bay and then the Philly game. But a lot of one-score games, mm-hmm. uh, that means that when Joseph is missing extra points in particular, but the, the field goals and the extra points, those are precious, precious points that are keeping other teams in the game. And it it, you know, it just ain't good. It hasn't cost the Vikings yet in a game, but you got to wonder when is it that the next time that Joseph misses an extra point or a field goal, like is that – going to be the one that decides these close games and leads to a Vikings loss when they should win look look at last week right um then he misses the extra point against the Cardinals it would have been a nine point game a two score game instead it made it an you know an eight point uh, one score and a two point conversion it made the the ending a lot more interesting than it needed to be, be. or a lot more a lot more panic uh, than it needed to be for Vikings fans so I, here's another situation like how Joseph had no comp, basically no competition for in preseason. They cut the Oakland, the, the kicker that they brought in the rookie kicker. They brought in early gave Joseph the, the kicking job. He looked great, but now he's not looking so great. Kickers are funny, David, you know, that, uh, they get into funks, uh, some, and sometimes you have the opportunity to, you got to make a decision and cut them and go to somebody better. Really. I don't know anybody who's out there available now as a place kicker that would be better than Joseph, but, uh, so they might stick with him. Uh, the Vikings have made panic moves on kicker before we, Daniel Carlson being one of them that has not turned out well for the Vikings. Carlson's been money ever since he left the Vikings and went to Oakland slash Las Vegas. So you got to be careful with these situations. You've got Ryan Longwell on there, basically the steadiest kicker we have had in for the Vikings in a long, long time. You never had to worry about Ryan Longwell. Mm -hmm. He'd make every kick makeable kick that he made. Uh, I don't know. What did he say, David, about what the issue is with Joseph? All right. If you haven't seen it, go back, climb in the pocket, look at the Thursday Thirsty Thursday special. We had Ryan Longwell on, specifically to talk about Greg Joseph. All right. What he's talking about is how rhythm and familiarity means so much. He talked about back in his day, it was Colin Loeffler and uh, Chris Cluey and himself. For seven yeah. years, six years, right? They didn't change. They were one unit. Boom. And how important that whole snap, catch, place, spin, tilt, bang, all this happens to happen in, uh, what was it, 2.2 seconds or whatever it was. He gave the time period on it. It's real short. Um, 2.27, I think, is what he said is the average. Boom. And he talked about how the step is step, step, step kick right it's sort of a waltz sort of deal you load up the leg you go but it's all rhythm and how different kickers work different ways but how it's all on 
Everything is interconnected. Snap, hold, kick, right? And everything has to work perfect and it has to be, the timing has to be great. If one little bit of any of those goes off, it messes with the kicker. If the kicker gets in his head, I got to boom it. He talked about how he should be kicking 85 to 90% of his leg strength every kick. And that during games, adrenaline goes up. That increases you to 92 to 95%, but you still need to control it. You go over that. You try to kick 100%. The control goes out the window, right? But it is rhythm. Do this. Do that. Talks about how coaching helps, be it from a kicking advisor, which he highly recommended teams have, or the special teams and head coaches staying away knowing not when not to say anything. That we know Mike Zimmer couldn't say squat. You know, he would come up and chew on his kickers and that would mess them up. They're done. Talked about Daniel Carlson, how Mike's, well, he, he didn't say Mike Zimmer per se. He implied Mike Zimmer messed with his head because of mm-hmm. what he said versus not saying. And Daniel Carlson, he told... He told the organization, he told Spielman, Carlson's a keeper. This guy is good. No, it got all screwed up. Off he went, and he hasn't missed shit since, right? (laughs) Except for rarely. And it's all on how all that works. He goes, it's real simple to see what Joseph is doing wrong if you've been there and done that, right? And, And he's talked about how he's fixed kickers, about how... A kicker will come in and turn his head down like this. And he goes, oh, no, no, don't do that. Do, you know, turn it more level or do this or do that. Instantly fix it. But it's, he goes, it's normally, it's just no rhythm, set, step, 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 kick, right? And it's, it was just, it was amazing. He nailed it. If you have not seen the interview, go back and watch it. You will be going, this explains everything under Zimmer. Absolutely everything. Everything under these kickers. It explains it now. Why can't we get that? He admits our special teams coach is great, but he's not kicker focused. That's why kickers are different beasts. And he says the whole practice, you got to practice the three of them together. And he talked about the moving from backup quarterbacks being a holder to punters being a holder and you got to practice and you got to practice and you got to practice different ways to do this. We know Greg Joseph can hit balls. He has done it before. Damn it. Um we want this Greg Joseph, right? He has the ability to do such. But right now he's just a little bit there's something that's a little bit off. We got to fix it. Right? And it's got to be you got to keep that time just perfect. Go too long, it gets blocked. Go too short, it gets it's uncontrollable. Um, he talked about Carlson's miss in 15, wide left, right? Um, and how Blair Walsh's or Blair Walsh's and how Blair Walsh missed that and exactly what went wrong on that one, right? There's different things he talked. That's why the interview was fantastic. If you ever want to figure out what kickers do, go look at that interview. He's a great guy. Willing to talk. He's fantastic. You will see him on Climbing the Pocket in the future. At some point in time, he's agreed to come back on. He's a great interview. It was fantastic. Now, we do hope 
that Matt Daniels saw that. I hope somebody up there in Minneapolis said, hey, hey, look at this. And we can fix this because, yes, G money has gone to G penniless, right? Inflation has hit him way too hard. We need this guy, G money that you see on the screen where he's hitting those 50-plus yarders, and he's not missing diddly squat. Now, is that snapper, holder, and we got a new holder this year. Remember, we had Barry last year. We got Wright this year. Not that I want to get rid of Wright because Mr. Wright is a hell of a punter. But that whole hold it there as a unit. And he suggested that. You keep those three guys as a unit, right? And uh, which got me thinking you should sign them as a unit. Call them, you know, the kicking guys, sign these guys as a unit and then block them out for many years, right? Because it'd be to your benefit. Um, if hopefully they can keep doing that, it'll go. G-Mask asks, is there any free agent kickers we can think of? There's some out there, but they've obviously been fired before or not even made a team. So you're bringing them into that situation and you're messing up that three-piece, got-to-work-perfectly unit again. So I don't know the benefit of it. He hasn't lost us a game yet, thankfully. (laughs) Thank you, Odin. Um. (laughs) But it's come close in a lot of these games. I mean, we left four points on the board last week. Those four points can make a big difference. They can make a big difference in how the Vikings are viewed in power rankings, right? And confidence. Are we making those kicks and not just winning within one score, that we're winning with two or three scores, right? Well, then we move up in those type of deals. That is why That is why this that interview on Thursday was so good. But I think Joseph can fix it if the right people get in his ear and that our long snapper, right, everybody works on it. And he talked about how he and Cluey and Loeffler worked at it just every 30 minutes before practice, 30 minutes after practice, Tuesdays, Thursdays, came out on pregame warm-up. They did the exact same warm-up. And then when it came to the game, they did the exact same thing. I also talked about icing kickers and how that affects some or doesn't affect them. Some like it, some don't. So it's a, it was, it was a great interview. I do think Joseph can get better. We've seen him do it. It's just a matter of getting whatever, whatever that one little point is and whatever the mental thing is. If it's just rhythm, reset your rhythm, step, 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 kick. You know, and if it's just that, that's all you need. I agree with Purple Haze down below of saying, you know, he referenced Dan Bailey and how mm-hmm. Bailey replaced Carlson, how that worked out not very well. And to, to stick with Joseph, the Vikings have not made, they've been very supportive of Joseph so mm-hmm. far. And I think that uh, much like Green Bay did a couple of years ago when Mason Crosby was really struggling, or even last year, they've stuck with Crosby through a long time. Uh, they've been able to do that because they've been winning a lot. But I think, yes, Joseph 
uh, unless things go really out of whack and he costs you a couple of games, then I think the Vikings do make a move. But I think that I think yes, he'll work this out. He's in a slump right now, uh, and that uh, a lot of kickers go through them. Uh, Justin Tucker being not one of them from Baltimore, yeah. but a lot of a lot of kickers go through Justin them. Tucker and they, has a kicking coach that's in his ear. Yeah, and if you, uh, I think uh, jo- Joseph's got the leg. We know he can hit the big kick, the long kicks as well as the short ones. But uh, but yeah, I think the the Vikings need to at least. They need to stick with him, have him work it out, coach him up, and uh, and he'll come out of it. But but right now it is worrisome that he's missing the the extra points and the field goals that he is because mm-hmm. when you're playing the one score games, uh, miss field a missed extra point can be the difference between you winning or tying the game, going into overtime, or losing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we all want as Vikings fans, we want the Vikings. Vikings have the record six and one, but they don't have the reputation as being good. That it's fraudulent. Part of that is because we keep missing kicks. If we make those kicks and keep those points on the board, adding points on the board, that reputation will increase. And the confidence will increase and we'll get better. It's 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 all how it plays. Now on to the next guy. Cameron Dansler. What's wrong with Mr. Tiny Dansler? I don't know, Dave. I'm going to have to be quick with this, but he's he's given up a lot of uh, passing yards. Uh, he was one of my breakout candidates. People who watch the show regularly know that I like Cam Dancer. I think he's talented. I think he's a good cornerback. But the last two games in particular, he has not played very well. His his uh, his coverage grade has been 55.2 exactly. But the last two games, he he was the main guy covering DeAndre Hopkins last week. I know Hopkins is a great wide receiver, but Hopkins had 12 catches for a buck 59 and one and one touchdown. Now the touchdown he got was on Harrison Smith, not Cam Dantzler. But point a lot of those catches were on Cam Dantzler and. Three weeks before, Tyreek Hill had like a gazillion catches for 177 yards. Tyreek Hill moves around a lot, and Dancer wasn't covering him all the time either. But really, Dancer has not been playing up to the capabilities that I think he can play. And I don't know whether it's like the Ed Domitel scheme and the fact that the Vikings play a lot of zone and maybe Dancer is more uh, suited to be like a press corner, man corner, uh, if that's the issue. But either way, Shannon Sullivan has struggled all season, although last week was probably his best game as a Viking, I thought. But uh, he's been a liability. Uh, you, I don't. I think it's 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 tough. Uh, the Vikings are not a great pass uh, uh, pass defense team, and if Cam Dantzler isn't playing the way he should be, and he's a bit of a liability, along with Shannon Sullivan being a liability, then those are two big liabilities. And uh, the Vikings defense is yeah, we can't have it. The, no, the Vikings are not going to are going to continue to be uh, uh, not a very good defense overall if Cam Dantzler can't get his game right. Patrick Peterson's been, been playing really well, but he's just one guy out of the three regular corners. That so that gives teams two corners they can pick on. Uh, I don't think they should be picking on Cam Dantzler. I think he's got the talent to be a good cornerback in this league, but he hasn't been playing like it the past two games, and that's got to change. Whereas he did before. PFF hyped him, ESPN hyped him, everybody was like, look at this kid. And it's, um, and it may be, maybe it's the style, maybe it's the defense, but I mean, he's playing, we played nothing but basically uh, cover defenses, the the shell. Now the Donatel defense is getting a little bit more, as they've grown into it, a little bit more different and a little bit more specific, but Yes, and it's 
against the number one wide receivers, he's had a hard time. And why do they put the number one wide receivers on his side? Because they don't want to go against Peterson on the other side. So no. he's got to step up. I think he can. Yeah. Tackling I, I wise. I think he can. Yeah. Tackling wise, I you know I I've been happy with Dantzler for not a big guy. He's been tackling well this year, but but lately the pass coverage, uh, just too many completions, easy completions being made against him. Again, maybe it's because he's play put on off coverage a lot. That's not his strength, but he's got to figure it out. The Vikings have got to figure it out for this defense to get uh, much better than it has been through seven games so far. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. That brings us. Let's see. 22 and 54 need to step up their game. Uh, I almost, Purple Haze, I almost mentioned Kendricks as an editism of a fourth guy, mm-hmm. but I think the last two games he's been more impactful than he had been the previous five. I'm seeing more tackles, more tackle for losses, and he's more involved. I think he, Eric Kendricks has been a guy who's really struggled adapting to this 3-4 and being one of the inside linebackers. In the old 4-3, he knew, like, he knew he was the focus as yeah. far as tackling goes, and I just think it's been a tough transition for him, but I think he's starting to get it. Well, and as for Harrison Smith, he's used to playing in the box and he's playing back. Now he does have exactly. the picks this year, so but uh, the same thing as Kendricks. It's it's learning this different philosophy and different how to play it. But the way this defense is, David, with the way they how far they play the safeties backs, like safeties aren't going to make a big impact because they're way back. They're, <laughs> they're out, safety out of nets. the. Yeah, yeah, they're safety nets. They're not expected to be up in the box blitzing like Zimmer used to do with with Harrison Smith in there for run support. Ed Donatel doesn't have his safeties doing those sorts of things, so they're going to have they're going to look like they're not doing anything because there's the safety nets. They're preventing the big plays happening mm-hmm. down the and field on passing. They're deeper back. They're, it's just yeah. it's totally different. That brings us to our favorite part of the show, Lake Monster Brewing. I talked to Matt Lang this morning. He wanted to thank everybody that came out for the great Monster Bash last weekend. The place was packed. It was maximum capacity. They had a great weekend. They still have on tap the same from last week. You can see it there. Absolutely fantastic beer. But not the bands this weekend. So if you want to go chill out while it's cold outside in Minnesota, the front moved through. Probably got some snow. It's at least cold below freezing. They do have all sorts of seating indoors as well as outdoors. If you want to do the whole, I'm getting ready for ice fishing season, go ahead and sit outside. If you're like the rest of us, go inside where it's warm and the big screen TVs and enjoy your favorite beer. That's Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul, right across the river from Minneapolis. Absolutely fabulous. It is joy in a glass. <laughs> I can vouch for that. I've had some yes. of it. It brings us theme three. Vikings at the Commanders tomorrow. First thing we're going to start off with is the weather report. The Ooh, weather report weather. is it's going to be cloudy for most of the day. All of the game times, you see it there. Uh, it'll eventually break up to partly cloudy by 5 o'clock tomorrow night but the game should be over by then, but it's a cloudy day. They'll have some light rain in the morning. As you see, the temperatures there are just about perfect. You can't yep. beat that with a stick. 
The winds are going to be low. It's not going to be like later in a week when the winds are going to be screaming. The winds are going to be low. Um, it should be a perfect game. Weather is not a factor in this game. We talk about kicking. The field is a factor because of the high sand level in it, but that is what it is. We get into our normal slides. We have the injury reports. Dalvin Tomlinson, as we all know, is out. He should be ready for next week. He was close to being ready from what I gather for this week, but they're keeping him out for next week. We won't mention next week because we want to get through this win first. Jalen Naylor is questionable. Uh, if I remember correctly, he had uh, illness, but he should be fine. Cameron Dantzler had uh, a neck issue, and it came late in the game last week. He's still dealing with that, but he's questionable. Both those two guys were full, were full practices on Friday or Thursday. Thursday or Friday, they were full practices, so expect to go. However, we get to the commanders. Commanders, Jahan Dotson. One of their premier wide receivers is out. Cole Holcomb, linebacker, out. David Mayo, He's out. their top tackler, too. Yep, David Mayo, out. They ha already have two of their starting linebackers on IR. They are extremely weak at linebacker right now. Running back, and James. Mayo, Mayo, I believe, is, uh, is Holcomb's replacement, too. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Purple Hayes talking about worried about that crappy turf. Yes. Um Drew, Naylor's been declared out. I hadn't heard that. Okay. Well, like I said, he was supposedly had an illness. Obviously, it didn't go well. Running back J.D. McKissick out. And defensive end Shaka Tony is questionable. And for Jalen Naylor, yes, we miss him, but it's he's not an integral part of anything at this moment. We get to... Time to cook. Yes, Purple Haze, I agree with you 100%. We get to the overall rankings. PFF has our offense at rank 10th going down one spot and has uh, their defense at 11, which surprised me. However, football outsiders is a little different. They have our offense overall at 11th and their defense at 15th. Elias Sports, we go down. We have... Fifth, we are 15th. Our offense is 15th in yards, 11th in passing, 21st in rushing. That number 21 is going up. And we're 10 in points. That's the biggie. How many points can we score? Last week was the first week over 30 points. We need to go up even higher and higher and higher. Their defense, however, is 13th in yards, 16th in passing, 17th against the run, and 18th in against points. So not that great. They have 12, uh, their 12th in sacks with 21. However, they have a turnover differential of minus four. They do have a 30, uh, their 31st in takeaways with only sixth. So the Vikings have an opportunity there especially taking how many people are out due to illness, injury, and just don't care. When we get to the defensive side of the ball, Vikings defense is 22nd moving up. Yes, we want that number a lot higher, folks. When it comes to PFF, that's their power ranking. Football Outsiders is right there. We're having this at 21st. 22nd gets the pass, 16th against the run. 
They've actually moved up in the run. Thank you, Dalvin Tomlinson, who's out this week. Elias has us 28th in yards, going down 29th in passing, 8th in rushing. That's where we're going up, folks. Better against the run. We're 19th in points. We allowed a lot of points last week. We're 10th in sacks with 21. We're 3rd in differential at plus 6. And we're 8th in takeaway with 13. The commander's offense is miserable. They rank 29th per PFF. Overall, they're 30th for DVOA, 28th in the pass, 30th in the run. Yards, they're 22nd passing, they're 16th. That's combination between Wentz and Heineken and Heineke, pardon me. And 24th in rushing, 27th in points, meaning they're not scoring a lot. They have taken 26 sacks. I want to highlight that one. They have taken 26 sacks this year. They're third, however, in turnovers, giving up five. So I have the over and under at 43.5. The, uh, the line has been Vikings minus three, minus three and a half. Last I looked, it was minus three, but that was on one side, and another side is still minus three and a half. So you figure that is what the game is. We get to special teams. Special teams, the Vikings have gone down. Why? Because Greg Joseph keeps missing kicks. We're yep. uh, down to 25. However, the, the commanders are eighth on their special teams when it comes to DVOA. That is that. Now we're on to who we face. We face Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke, versus Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is hurt. I'd rather place face Carson Wentz. But Heineke, the extraordinaire door kicker, should, should be interesting. Well, this is one of those cases, Dave, where the Vikings, again, are playing a backup quarterback. They've faced a few of them this year already. But in this case, the backup quarterback is actually better than the starter <laughs> that he's replacing. Uh, right? Like uh, Tyler Haneke is uh, his uh, QBR rating, his quarterback rating, his uh, football outsiders DVO rating are all better than Wentz's. Uh, he's completing um, a higher percentage of his passage than Wentz did. He's getting sacked far less. And uh, the and the and the commanders are two and zero with Heineke in there, whereas they were two and four with Wentz. So in this case, getting Heineke the backup for the Vikings isn't so such a good thing. Uh, Heineke's, uh, I think, is a better quarterback at this stage in his career than Carson Wentz is. We'd rather have Carson Wentz in there. Actually, twenty twenty three of those twenty six sacks that the, the the commanders have given up were when Wentz was the quarterback. Uh, Heineke. We all uh, Viking fans know, you know, he was he got cut in 2017, but he was the guy undrafted guy that we got. So you, we know him, we know what he's like. But um, as a backup, last year he went seven and eight when Ryan Fitzpatrick went out. So he's got some experience. He's had some success in the league. He's a mobile guy, not a great arm, but he can make plays with his uh, off schedule. He's mobile. He can make some plays with his feet. Uh, he's he kind of reminds me of Case Keenum and how he doesn't have that you. great. He doesn't have that great arm, but uh, but he'll take chances and try to make big plays with that arm. And um, and and uh, but he makes a lot of risky risky throws, and he's turnover prone. Uh, you put up a uh, like a quarterback 
pro football focus slide about the quarterback rating. There you got it. Take a look um, between him and Kirk Cousins. When when he's got a clean pocket, Tyler Heineke's uh, rating this year is outstanding, 132.1. But look when he's under pressure. It is abysmal, 28.2. And so the key in this game with a bad uh, Washington commander's offensive line and a quarterback who doesn't do very well when he's pressured is get pressure on the quarterback. That's always important, but it's even more important in this game with Taylor Heineke as the quarterback because uh, pro football focus, you can see down there another interesting stash. Turnover worthy play percentage, 9.33%, way lower than Kirk Cousins. So, oh, way higher Heineke, than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, oh, sorry, way higher than, than Kirk Cousins. But so Heineke again, he he like he he try he makes risky throws. It works out sometimes. It also doesn't work out a lot of times. And uh, against um, the Packers game, his first game back, he threw, I counted, 10 passes that should have been either were intercepted or should have been. Like, it, it was bad. He played like, quite a bit better against the Colts last week, so he's getting used to things. But the, the point is, the Vikings l- lately, uh, they've in- intercepted four passes the past two games. Uh, if Heineke is in a giving mood tomorrow, that's going to be key for the Vikings because uh, they can, they're, they're starting to convert some of those turnovers they've had l- the last couple of weeks. They converted them into touchdowns. So uh, if Heineke is giving up, uh, uh, is throwing a few interceptions, uh, that's not only killing commander drives where they could potentially be scoring points on their own, but the Vikings are the last two weeks have been taking those turnovers and turning and them into touchdowns. Points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's big. And I, uh, the, and I like the, the way the Vikings pass rush has looked the last two weeks. Again, they've been against poor offensive lines, Miami's offensive line and the, um, and, um, the Cardinals offensive lines are not good. Washington's is also not good. We, uh, Dalvin Thompson will, will not be there. So that hurts the interior pass rush, but I like Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones. I like those guys being able to put a lot of pressure on Taylor Heineke. And this is a huge, huge advantage for the Vikings, which could be a real tipping point in this game, being able to get consistent, steady pressure on Heineke and forcing him to make a lot of bad throws. And uh, the Washington uh, run game is then nothing special really. So they probably to move the ball. They're going to probably have to pass the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem there, Dave, is that, where we talked about Cam Dance a little bit earlier and his problem against number ones. Overall, the Vikings, according to Football Outsiders, are 32nd in the league when in covering number one wide receivers. And the number one wide receiver for the Washington is ter- Scary Terry McLaurin, who's averaging almost 17 yards a catch. Uh, if he has a big day in this game and the Vikings can't contain him and make him and have him have a ho hum game, and this is probably going to be uh, one of those close one-score games where we're biting our nails. If they contain him well, then it could be an easier win for the Vikings, I think. Um, the, the, the Washington has a pretty what interesting... What was that little tidbit of information I sent you this morning about specifically McLaren? That he is uh, much better against man coverage than he is against zone. And yes. the Vikings defense under Ed Donatel plays a lot of zone, zone. So that could be a factor, too. Mm-hmm. He is bad yep. against zone coverage. What what is the difference? Why would a receiver be good or bad against either man or zone or both? 
Well, that my uneducated view is that uh, in man, they've got the speed and the suddenness to beat their guys off the line of scrimmage and beat them just outrunning them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in zone, maybe they uh, just don't have good recognition about where the holes in the zones are. They're not great route runners. In that case, uh, that's why zone works against them better than um, man does. I don't know whether that's McLaurin's issues. But- I, I, think it, I think you're close to it. I think that's it. A wide receiver learns routes, right? He learns, all right, this is a square out. I run 10 yards. I turn right at a 90-degree angle. I turn around and look for the ball, right? That's the simple route. However, it gets a lot more involved than that. Playing against a man, you're beating the corner that's on you or whatever DB's on you, right? You've got to make – he's going to be a close. He's going to be probably touching you, but he's going to be close. He's going to be within a yard of you. He's going to be mirroring what you do, right? Your ability to beat him, to juke him, to move him, to, to faint him, to come up or to go back is on you so you can get into your route where you need to go. And to read um, how he's playing depends on how you how you work. When it comes to zone defense, zone defense, as you can think of it, they they're guarding a zone. They have specific pass off rules, different things. The difference is a man defender is going to be on you. He's going to be right next to you. He's going to be right there. You've got to shake him in a zone in a zone type of scheme. The receiver's got to find the the correct spot in the open zone, right? Between zones, the gaps that are open. The receiver has to read more than just, just an, I've got to beat this one guy and get where I'm supposed to be. Now the receiver has to look and go, I've got to, I've got to see what he's doing. He's not right on me. He's further back. I've got to see what he's doing, and then I've got to make a decision based on where everybody else is, safeties, linebackers, wherever, where I need to go per my route assignment. My route assignment is going to give me options, right? And then do I have to cut it off just a couple yards short to fit in the seam, or do I go on the normal 17? And And if I do cut it off, do I know my quarterback's going to hit me shy because that's where the hole is? It's a, it's a lot more... The thinking process is different going against zone than it is against man. He is good against man. He is, per the numbers, lousy against zone. We play zone, right? The Ed Donatel system is zone. I do not expect a big day from McLaurin tomorrow because we play zone, and that messes with him. And from the zone standard, when you're playing man on man, you got to beat the man, right? A zone defender, however, is going to be three, three or four yards off. He can watch what's developed, and he's playing the ball, right? He's more seeing where the quarterback's going. He doesn't really care as much about the receiver. He cares about the receiver, but not as much. He's not looking at, you know, does this guy do a double step or dip his right shoulder as an indicator that he's going to do whatever, right? He's playing, hey, this is the ball. I know he's moving here. He's got to read me. Does he move across me like I expect? And then I'm looking at the quarterback. Is the quarterback moving this way? Is the quarterback looking this way, that way? 
it's a it's a different game between the two, and McLaren isn't good at adapting to the zone uh, scheme. And I think that gives the Vikings an advantage tomorrow. Everybody's worried about him. I think we have the advantage. The a couple other things to great points, David. A couple other things to mention about the Washington offense, and I watched a couple of their games. Is that uh, the uh, Curtis Samuel is a guy to uh, to uh, that they have to account for. Uh, he's one, he's a more of a high volume uh, but low production guy as uh, compared to McLaurin. Like he catches more passes than McLaurin, but he doesn't do as much with them. Uh, but they do have Samuel that the Redskins are uh, the Redskins the, the command. I did it. They're a command. Commander's offenses, uh, they, they've got a lot of eye candy going on in, in their formations. They've got, they'll often run Samuel across the formation. They'll have two running backs uh, uh, sandwiched in uh, on the outside of, of Heineke. Uh, and they try to really confuse defense and get them to hesitate on, on especially on run plays, on like who's got the ball. Who's got the ball? Who's getting it? And so they do a lot of eye candy, try to create a lot of confusion that way. And Samuel is kind of, uh, they have him in the backfield quite a bit. They give him the ball quite a bit on these uh, on these jet sweeps. And he's a factor in the run game. So those are things that the Vikings are going to have to deal with. They're going to have to have good eye discipline and be aware of where the who's got the ball at all the time. Uh, on it defensively uh, this will be an interesting game because the again the Washington's defense is not great but they've got a really good defensive line Jonathan Allen and Darren Duran Payne have nine sacks and 18 quarterback hits between the two of them and then Montez Montez Sweat who is the defensive end he's got three quarterback sacks and 16 quarterback hits just by himself um, we know the Vikings have, uh, we talked about Eddie Ingram. Uh, so in, on the interior, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury and Ingram are going to be key tomorrow because they can't be allowing Allen and, and Payne in particular, getting pressure up the middle and getting in Kirk's face, because we know that when that happens to Kirk, things don't go very well for Kirk or the Vikings offense. They're he not gets jumpy. Yeah, they get he gets jumpy. He starts checking down. He starts making inaccurate throws. Uh, so that the Vikings interior three, three interior guys have got to have their best game in a long time. I think tomorrow for our offense to hum. Now and the the Commanders uh, run defense has been very, pretty stout. They've had had a couple of slip ups. They gave up over 200 yards rushing against the Bears. They gave up 190 to the Lions. So there have been games where they haven't defended the run all that well even though statistically they're a very strong run defense. Uh, the Vikings run game went really well last week against the Cardinals, but they've kind of, and they've been pretty solid all year, but not super explosive. They've also been shut down really hard a couple of games, like in the Philly game. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not confident that they're going to have a great running game tomorrow, but they've been committed to the run every game, uh, even if they haven't been having a whole lot of success. But passing wise, that's where you got to hit Washington. Uh, 28th, I think, against the pass. And this is a game where X mentioned it, where Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne should have big games. 
But mm-hmm. the key is Kirk Cousins has got to have time and feel comfortable seeing them so that he can throw to them uh, and uh, throw to them accurately and not get jumpy doing so. Uh, but I think that this is potentially could be a, a big uh, game for our wide receivers, uh, particularly uh, St. Juice, the quarter, one of the cornerbacks for Washington, who I believe is Canadian, so it pains me to say this, but the two games I watched, <laughs> the two games I watched, he gets uh, picked on quite uh, badly. If Justin Jefferson is on him, it's uh, Jefferson is going to torch him big time. Um, so, so I think that, uh, you know, uh, but again, I think uh, interior watch for that matchup, our interior against their interior defensive line. <laughs> uh, we win that battle or, or come out on a draw with it. Then the Vikings offense is going to have a lot of success tomorrow. And they're, and then if we have a lot of success, we're going to score a lot of points and Washington won't be able to keep up because their offense is not explosive. They don't score a lot of points. Yes, Drew leaves and we get spam with hot girls. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> he left at the wrong time. Yes, um, or he caused it, one or the other. But, uh, no, I know he didn't, but it's interesting. I do believe tomorrow we can, I think we can keep Kirk Cousins relatively clean. I think Kirk Cousins is going to come in, even though he's played it down and, you know, yes. you look at him. It's not a big deal. I think it's going to be a big deal. He's going to want to prove something. So I think he's going to come in tomorrow. I think the offensive line is going to play better. And I think Hawkinson's going to get his first catch. I think he's going to get his first touchdown. And I think we're going to see that next level of the Vikings offense we haven't seen. And I look forward to it. I've been in that stadium. It's, uh, It's an older stadium. I don't know how the commander fans are going to be. Expect at least 50%, if not 60% plus, to be Vikings fans there. They were when I went years ago. Um, Vikings fans travel great. Commanders fans don't like it, especially since they found out this week. Again, their owner is under further investigation. And he's put the team up for sale or talking about putting the team up for sale. So it should be an interesting environment. And finding that it went public that he wants to sell the team, it's interesting to see how the team reacts, the commanders themselves, the players. And it could be, we could be surprised tomorrow. It may turn into a rout. Most people are calling for a close game. I'm rooting for the rout, Viking style. Go out there and score 30-plus points and just bury them. I've seen a number of uh, prognosticators who are picking the commanders to upset us. Uh, so again, that kind of speaks to there's not a lot of belief, despite the Vikings being six and one. I think there's not a belief, na- a lot of belief nationally about that they're really that good of a team. Um, but I'm hoping they, uh, yeah, I'm looking for them to prove uh, a lot of people wrong tomorrow. And as you said, David, uh, get a convincing win, like more, ten points or more. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention, you know, watch out for Heineke if he gets pressured, him throwing off his back foot. Uh, when he throws off his back foot, and it was quite a bit, particularly in the Green Bay game, mm-hmm. he uh, that's when the ball is really up for grabs. So Heineke throwing off his back foot is good news for the Vikings defense. <laughs> well, let's see it. Let's see Pat P get an interception. Love to see Dantzler get back into the groove. Hey, get the old man Harrison hit man Smith. Another one. Yes. 
Let's well, do this. Had an interception the last two games, so he's yeah. yeah why let's not keep the streak keep, going? Keep, keep it going. Mm-hmm. Well, buddy, I want to thank you for this show today. We ran long. I was a little we did verbose today, if that's the correct word. Going on uh, certain subjects, I do think the Vikings can win tomorrow. I expect them to win tomorrow. I stack I, the wins, baby. Stack the wins. That's what we need to do. We named a title. You know, get better and keep winning. They've done the winning part. Let's just get better and better because we all know what's on the horizon. We don't want to overlook mm-hmm. tomorrow. That's why we're focused on it. Let's get better and better each game so we can peak when it comes to December and January and rolling into the playoffs. Anyways, any last Don't words? Any better myself. No, I've talked lots, David, but yes, this, you know, it's just going to be just going to give you the Skull Vikings today and then that's it. Well, what do we say, buddy? We say Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.